This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Run, Raheem, run. I looked it up before we got on here to record. Last year, Josh, that game in Buffalo on December 17th, 17 carries for 136 yards. Mostert averaged eight yards per rush. He kind of was slacking a little bit when you think about 18 carries for 121 and and two touchdowns, a 6.7 average. Josh, it wasn't that 8.0 average in the snow, but seeing the Dolphins develop a run game this early in the season, talk about a treat. Definitely a treat, and it was a full-team effort. I mean, we're going to give the offensive line their flowers, but Raheem Mostert's starting to become almost like a road warrior, right? I mean, he had that game in the snow where he just kind of went beast mode on that nice run, you know, went up there and played really well against Buffalo. And then this game, man, again, they were taking away some of the passes the Dolphins liked. They were checking down a little bit, taking the easy things, and then just Raheem Mostert, he broke off a 43-yard run, and I think Jake, he is back to, uh, you know, the Raheem Mostert of old, right? I mean, he was banged up a little bit, recovering from that injury last season, this year. Man, I mean, he looks so explosive. He busted away from everyone and was just off to the races. So uh, Raheem Mostert might be the fastest player on the roster, like you said before, but uh, they needed him to step up, and he definitely looks like that RB1. Salvin Ahmed got a little bit of work but got banged up there, and we saw Devon A-Chain for the first time. But uh, Raheem Mostert looks like he put all that noise in the back of his head this offseason, just put his head down and work because he looks like the best version of himself. And after last year almost getting 1,000 yards, I mean, whoo-wee, man, that run game looked pretty good. Raheem Mostert scored the first touchdown of the game early in the second quarter, an eight-yard scamper, and then he delivered the dagger. Josh mentioned it, a 43-yard run, about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter to put it away. Josh, I just can't think of a, a, a time. like This is two straight games where the door was shut without the Patriots and without the Chargers getting their final answer. We heard some gripes uh, about that final play of the game where Mike Gesicki, breaking news, couldn't break a tackle, but instead he decided to lateral the ball back to Cole Strange, a guard, and he came up just short. Uh, but, but man, how does it feel knowing that 
at the eight minute mark, you know, Hunter Henry catches this touchdown pass for Mac Jones to make it a 17 point or a seven point game, 17 to 10, the entire Gillette stadium's rocking and rolling. And then first play, man, Raheem Mostert just right up the gut after an entire performance of stretch run, stretch run, stretch run, they go right up the middle and he's just gone. He didn't look like he was 31 years old right there. No, not at all, and that's what's been so impressive. I mean, again, we heard all the rumors. We continue to hear rumors about which running back they'll bring in here, but Raheem Mostert looked the part of a RB, an RB1, and, I mean, he just showed off that explosiveness that we haven't seen. But, again, it goes back to that offensive line, right, Jake? I mean, Kendall Lamb looks great there filming for Teron Armstead. We saw Isaiah Wynn, you know, open up some holes. Connor Williams, I do think we'll talk about that, or maybe we should right now. But, uh, man, that snap again, he almost cost us one there. And um, besides those – bad snaps you know whatever's going on there he's looked pretty good in the run game and then um Austin Jackson might be back to his old ways a little bit but dude that run game looked pretty good and um that's what we wanted to see this season right and a complete effort see Mike McDaniel commit to and I do think he committed to it better in this game than we may have seen in you know years past and Alec Ingold right he's he's an extension of that run game we got to give him a hat tip because he was opening up holes you know he was just doing everything out there so two was only hit twice Sacked once, once by Matthew Judon. And yeah, it was another scenario, man, where you're not going to teach the next generation of offensive linemen based on this, you know, 2023 Miami Dolphins group. But what you might do is you might teach the kids at the local high school on how you don't have to be awesome to get the job done type of thing, because they had to scratch and claw. It wasn't pretty, but at the end of the day, they did enough to keep to a clean. They decided the Miami Dolphins to throw the ball 30 times and rush the ball 30 times. Josh, that is a clear cut Right down the middle. I don't think anybody enters any game that features a Tyree Kill and a Jalen Waddle thinking the split would be that down the middle. Uh, but, man, you mentioned it. It seemed like every time the Patriots were en- exiting their defensive huddle, it kind of looked like an umbrella was opening up, how there would be three guys just on the back end just sitting back there and just waiting for the bomb to Tyreek, the bomb to Waddle. How did you feel about the play calling in general where the Dolphins kind of just – took their medicine with a smile on their face in the sense of we can't play this over the middle or downfield a strike attack. We're going to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. And they did. You saw again, them using the flats a lot more, you know, checking down a bit more. And it was just um, nice to see because again, they try to take away what we are bread and butter, right? Tyree kill Jalen Waddle. They still got theirs, right? We saw Tyree kill with a nice touchdown. Um, we're seeing a lot of new motion out of uh, Mike McDaniel's offense this year that you got to love, man. Those little half motions, whether it be with Tyree kill going into that wheel route, Alec Ingold was running them through him. Smythe then ran one and that's what opened that thing up for Tyree kill. But um, to see two and not really, you know, panic in those moments when they're taking that away and taking the easy, you know, dump downs, letting that yark up, uh, yak kind of build up there. I mean, um, let's be honest, man. Besides the the play that really stood out to me was that Jalen Waddle screen. What'd you think of that one, Jake? Because that was one where you definitely saw that half motion, and then they threw the little screen to Jalen Waddle, and he took off. That was probably of one of Miami's biggest plays offensively, besides that Raheem Mostert run. So um, they did it in different ways, and it was nice to see the way Tua could adapt because they did take away what he's been used to. And at, oftentimes, you know, he'd be maybe forced a turnover, although he did force turnover, right? He did have that interception, which we were all there like, oh, no, what the hell's going on? The heart wants what the heart wants, Joshua. It's just one of those things that once in a while Tua's going to do that. But overall, I mean, the performance – 21 for 30, 244 yards, an average of 8.3 yards per attempt. And from the Miami Dolphins themselves, after two weeks, the Dolphins leave the NFL by averaging 7.3 yards per play. It's a full yard better than every other team in the league. San Francisco, Josh, is second at 6.3 yards per play. Something that's worth noting, too, 
those are the only two teams to start the season undefeated with two straight road games. So that tells you right there that Shanahan system will travel. It was pretty fun to watch, Josh, because talking about that screen, talking about that motion, if you look at Tua's um, passing chart, it is like, it's like watching Moses uh, part the ocean there, right? And there's nothing in the middle. It's all to the outside. It genuinely felt like, felt like that the Dolphins, they like took a pair of scissors, they cut out the middle of the field and just taped it like 10 yards to the left or right. And it seemed to work so well. So Josh, were you surprised to see like, hey, this entire Miami Dolphins operation, it, it thrives over the middle. Are you surprised to see this next step down the road where they can kind of attack those same flaws the middle of the field might have, but all of a sudden they can do it on the outside using this like flare out motion. Yeah, Jake, I think it just shows again, growth in the offense and just how Mike McDaniel has, you know, taken what he learned last season and kind of developed against, you know, learned from his mistakes maybe and found out, you know, how to attack these different defenses that have maybe have an answer for it to got the ball out in 1.98 seconds, according to pro football focus. So, I mean, um, he wasn't really, you know, trying to pick apart that defense, right? He was taking the sure thing right away. And sometimes that's all it takes, especially when your defense is playing as well as it did. Um, like we mentioned, I do have to, we do have to talk about that drive before the half, man, because most teams do don't it. call, most teams don't call timeouts there to try to get that ball back. They do. I think it was under, um, I had it written down here. My notes are all over the place. I have like three pages of notes, and I'm going to miss half the stuff. Buck 38 left. I yeah. Got you. Okay, Buck, thanks, man. Buck 38, they, they drove downfield. I mean, two was just picking them apart. Craycraft had some nice ones, and then that ball that where he stepped up and just threw that beautiful touch packs to Braxton Berrios, and it was just uh, – it, it, that was an impressive throw, and then they ended up scoring there. So to go up, what was it, 17-3 before half, I mean, that kind of was the difference maker, right, in a seven-point game at the end of it. I mean, if you don't have the balls to call time out there and try to get that ball back and then to drive downfield, I mean, again, most teams might just be okay sitting there milking that. So um, shout-out to everyone that made that drive worthwhile and too. I mean, again, he's just a surgeon at times out there, especially when it seems like he makes a bad play. I think I really like looking at this game um, because it gives us a, a sight into if an opposing defense tries to limit the Miami Dolphins, what can they do with a limited amount of uh, plays, right? You think about it, 60 snaps for this offense. It went right down the middle, 30 to 30. And Josh, I, I think I want to talk about Salvan Ahmed for a second because three carries for 13 yards doesn't sound great. But then you add in three receptions for 28 yards. What do you see out of someone like Salvan Ahmed that makes you think, Okay, Jonathan Taylor would have been nice. Donna, or, uh, Delvin Cook might have been nice. But all of a sudden, the Dolphins do know how to use their weapons. Yeah, I mean, the thing to me is that everyone wanted uh, the Dolphins to overpay, right? The Colts obviously wanted the Dolphins to overpay. There were talks with Jalen Waddle, you know, first-round picks. I mean, when you see what Salvin Ahmed's making, knowing the type of difference maker that he can be when he's out there, I mean, we'll see more about his injury. You know, what, you know, he might be out a few weeks. I'm not really sure. Did he come back then in that game? I know A-Chain was in there for a little bit. But at the end of the day, Salvin Ahmed, you know, has outperformed A-Chain in practice and preseason and has obviously left a lasting impression on this coaching staff. But, I mean, if you could team Raheem Mostert and Jonathan Taylor together and, you know, Chris Greer still wants to go Super Saiyan, I'm here for it. But um, this proves that the Dolphins don't necessarily need that big, flashy name. And that's kind of the, what we thought all along. But it's hard to not get into that fantasy football mindset and, you know, want to Dalvin Cook at times or Jonathan Taylor because um, it will be nice after so many years. But Raheem Mostert, three touchdowns, leading the NFL, I believe. 
leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns, and I think Tyreek's leading it in receiving touchdowns. I think they both got three, so that that's an interesting, fun little note. Yeah, man, and I think what made me so impressed about this performance is the Dolphins did not play a clean game, right? There were some real ugly, you know, fumbled snaps. There were some bad runs. I think um, Eric Azukama was back in the backfield. He had three carries for five yards, which sounds bad, but then when you consider one went seven yards. So then he had two carries for negative two yards. So that's that, that's pretty ugly there. But, man, it seems like they this team has gotten so good at not letting one issue, one mistake really unfold and, and take away their entire game plan. So I know we're talking a lot about the run, running attack, but, man, it does really feel like this is a situation like if you can run the ball, you will travel. All of a sudden, you're not passing the ball more where you're not putting the ball in dangerous way. And – more importantly, man, this is looking like that San Francisco rushing attack we've been waiting so long to see. Um, is this just another step in the progression, or is this all of a sudden, you know, offensive line is clicking? I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is this sustainable for the Dolphins, or was it more of just right place, right time, right opportunities? I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, staying committed to the run was half the battle last year, and the fact that you mentioned it, man, the offensive line's greatly improved. I mean, again, we know it's Ron Armstead out there. You can make arguments whether or not Kendall Lamb should perhaps switch over to right tackle. You know, when he does come back, I mean, that's going to be a talk for another day. But it, we all thought we didn't have depth, and we all laughed, and Chris Greer sat there and said, you know, you guys are more worried than we are. I mean, they're kind of proving it. So that offensive line stepping up to the next level, Mike McDaniel sticking to the run, showing new wrinkles in his, you know, offense and, and utilizing Raheem Mostert's speed. I mean, again, that's one of the most, if not the fastest running back in all of football, right? So when you add that to, again, those speedy receivers, it doesn't matter if they want to take out Jalen Waddle, which um, I didn't mean that literally, but I'm praying that Jalen Waddle's okay after leaving this one four or six catches for 86 yards. But um, it proves that, you good? I'm sorry. It flashed out, and I don't want to keep going. It just proves that the Dolphins have so many ways that they can beat you. And, um, again, it reminds you so much of those Dolphin teams that, you know, you grew up on as a little kid, and it just feels nice compared to years past. Human nature is always to take a look back and see if we could have seen this coming. And I'm really curious to see what Mike McDaniel's mindset is because you look back to last year, week one, Mostert had five carries, 11 carries, eight carries. He didn't reach 18 carries to that 40 to 17 loss to the Jets where things really fell out of control because he didn't have a starting um, quarterback. Is this Miami's way of maybe saying like, hey, we're going to do all our action to the outside. We're going to run the football early. So come November, December and January, we can go back to attacking the middle of the field. Is this part of a long chess game or is this really just taking what defenses give them? Because all of a sudden, man, if Tua has two more performances where he can make these um, outside option plays really work and just continue to move the ball down the field, all of a sudden, man, that the middle of the field is going to be completely wide open and the Dolphins can go back to being, you know, the team that absolutely blew out like Cleveland 39 to 17. I see a scenario like that. If they can continue just to prove like, Hey, we can win in different ways. You can't just press us at the line. You can't stop the run showing that they can do so many different things is such a big problem. Yeah. And I got to, I mean, I think we're kind of getting ready to wrap up on the offense, right? I got to throw Durham Smythe's name out there, but yeah, man, it just, again, shows you that there's just so many different ways that this team can beat you. And, um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the Denver Broncos decide to do, right? Week one, you saw the Dolphins go out there and pass at will against the Chargers, you know, beat them in different ways there. This week we saw it with the run game, the defense. How are the Broncos going to come out? Are they going to take away the middle of the field, use those three safeties similar to what New England did? Or are they going to try to attack this thing this, the way that went down in week one? We'll see. But uh, we're seeing that Mike McDaniel can adapt and almost be a chameleon when it needs, needed to be most. And um, a guy like Raheem Mostert stepped up big time in this game and, 
Um, it feels nice, man. Feels like those Reggie Bush days. Those are the most recent. That's the most recent running back that truly gave me a um, happiness goosebumps. Is it just me, or is it kind of like this um, wide zone offense? It, it's like I don't know, man. It's kind of like watching a quarterback throw left handed. Like you can't just be any running back. I think with this wide zone, because man, just watching Raheem Mostert run, I don't know what it is, but to me, it's like everything. The translation comes out a little weird because he always seems to be a little more straight up, but he's always fall falling forward and getting an extra yard or two. So <laughs> there's no analytics or statistics to back this up. But when you see this wide zone, uh, why do you think Raheem Mostert is so good at it? Because it just does seem like it's like maybe taking uh, um, you know a, a German and having them speak French or something. You know, it's. Very similar, but there are some distinct differences that make you kind of perk your eyebrow a little bit. Well, I was going to say it has to be the familiarity, right? I mean, he was with um, Raheem Mostert with the San Francisco 49ers as the run game coordinator. I mean, he has to – it's almost like a, a thing that he's kind of come to be very effective in. I mean, Dalvin Cook kind of alluded to it and said, you know, I can come up there and run. I'm perfect for that wide zone offense. But Raheem Mostert, he's been in it year after year, and um, he's Mike McDaniel's boy, so I'll say it's that. And he just seems to have, like, almost patience. But then when he finds that open hole, man, it's just game over. I mean, uh, seeing him pull away from everyone, it was just like, damn, this, this Dolphins team's different. And I think defensive coordinators are starting to realize that. Yeah, Moster, uh, he's spoken about how he uh, surfs. It kind of does look like he's surfing out there. It kind of looks like he's just playing DDR without having to hold on to the bar, too, which is always pretty impressive. He was on the elevator. We got to say he was on the elevator. Make sure we mention yes. that. Yes, the Victory Monday elevator did feature Raheem Moster, and rightfully so, man. I I think, too, I just go back to just a full, well-rounded team effort. Like, you know, the, the Patriot fans all have their crowns on because, hey, we held Tyree Kill to uh, five receptions for 40 yards. Well, it's still an L. Like at the end of the day, like when you go on the road there, this like this played out like a snow game. I kind of felt with just the way they were able to run the ball. You were limiting Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and yet it still didn't really matter. No, it didn't matter. And since we're talking about Tyree Kill, we just got to mention um, he is now 99 overall in Madden. I know we talk about oh, Madden a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, they gave him that right after this game. So, yeah, they stopped him uh, only 40 yards on five and nine targets, but he still got that touchdown. And now he's still in the Madden 99 club. So. Um, I had to throw that out there because he was a little bit upset that he wasn't already in it. So now he got that crown and um, it, he's just a difference maker, man. He is such a game changer out there. And um, again, I hope Jalen Waddle's healthy. Braxton Berrios, you got to tip your cap to him. I don't know how much we talked about him, but he's making blocks out there. He's making key plays, making big time catches. Um, so, dude, this offense, just everything we dreamed of, right? Braxton Berrios, two receptions, 28 yards. And, man, it's one of those things where if you're watching the box score, Braxton Berrios, okay, he moved the chains. But, man, you can't put a price on just those clutch, clutch third-down receptions he has had for the Miami Dolphins through a couple weeks. And that's going to be so, so helpful moving forward. Josh, I have one more offensive question to ask you, and it's a question I've asked you before. Is there a chance by the end of the year we are surprised at Durham Smythe? Like, do we? I, I think this entire offseason, we understood what Durham Smythe was. Just He was just kind of that well-rounded Madden player and Anthony Fasano. He's not going to be awesome at anything. He's just going to be solid. But he looks kind of interesting out in space. The Dolphins are trying to get him the ball a little bit. Don't get me wrong. It's three receptions for 23 yards. But I'm wondering if that ceiling might be a little higher than we once thought. Yeah, I think so. I think Merrick's son, you know, playing those Madden games and those simulations, didn't Durham Smythe, like, have 11 catches or something crazy in the one sim? Yeah, seven times, like, led the league in receiving. I mean, that's kind of um, – he doesn't have that type of potential, but I saw someone say, you know, is this kind of our 
George Kittle light. And I mean, we see Durham Smythe doing things that I guess we wanted to see this year after the Dolphins committed to him. You wonder how jealous Mike Kosicki was. I mean, he obviously wanted this game so bad, man. He's slamming his helmet. They're trying to do the Miami miracle to get four yards and uh, the dude wearing 69 gets stopped short. I mean, it was picture perfect. Um, but Durham Smythe, man, I think that he's uh, reliable again in blocking and he do th- can do things like that. And then he can get out there in the passing game. And we see him do things that um, I don't want to say Mike Kosicki can't because we haven't seen those spectacular catches yet out of Smythe that we may have saw from Gasicki, but Smythe just seems like he's kind of more well-rounded and more consistent. And um, I think you're right, man. I think that ceiling might be a little higher than we expected. So um, let's see, maybe he is our George Kittle after all. 